We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the Uncontested Post Game Podcast Edition. I'm your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter and social media platforms at Taylor underscore P15. And man, do I have a very fun one to break down tonight as the Thunder beat the Warriors, go up 3 1 in the season series. 138 to 136 in overtime at home in a huge victory Friday night in front of a packed Paycom Center. Just an incredibly fun game. I'm really excited to break down. But before I get any further, we are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. And if you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. be greatly appreciated. Uh, helps us out a lot. So if you love what you're hearing, if you like our analysis, we greatly appreciate you all leaving a review. And... Per usual, you can find us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, or I guess X, whatever you want to call it, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, you name it, we're there. But we're really focusing uh, on our YouTube content right now. So be sure to follow us there for all of our live streams, uh, our group podcasts, post games, even some additional bonus content will all be on there. So be sure to tune in. I'm going solo tonight. So I already see a ton of you all in the comments. Uh, unfortunately, I had to stop the original live stream uh, because I'm a little rusty here on my solo post games. And so uh, I fired this new one up and I really appreciate all of you tuning in. Be sure to drop all of your comments, questions, etc. because as I'm going solo tonight, it makes it a lot more fun when I'm able to interact with you all and able to answer some questions and reply to some comments. So be sure to keep dropping those. and I'll be sure to get to those. But like I mentioned, just what a, an incredibly fun game. Thunder end up winning this one 138 to 136 in overtime there were times especially in that first half where it didn't feel like the thunder really had it tonight had kind of a theme over the past couple of games that we've seen from the thunder and then that second half the thunder really got things going uh they end up I mean, we'll, we'll get into a brief game breakdown but we get into overtime it seems like the thunder finally kind of have things under control maybe this is it none other than steph curry himself 
loves playing in OKC, that guy. It, it's, it's absolutely absurd. Uh, he keeps things way too close for comfort, but the Thunder end up pulling this one off. So, like I mentioned, lots of breakdown here. Be sure to keep dropping your comments and questions. Uh, but just a very, very brief game breakdown. I'm not, I'm not even really going to get into the first half even, but just some big things that kind of stood out to me from halftime into overtime. At halftime at Thunder only were down by six, which is pretty significant considering that they only shot 47% from the four and most importantly were two of 14 from three. Again, this is a post-game podcast. I don't have this pulled up. Uh, this is something we can get into maybe on our group podcast on Sunday, but this is certainly a theme over the past couple of games that the Thunder have kind of struggled. A lot of that is is due to the three-point shooting. This Thunder team can be a great three-point shooting team. In fact, I was listening to Matt Pinto there for a little bit um, before I was able to actually watch the game live there, like very early in the game. But I mean, he mentioned the Thunder were the, the best three-point shooting team in the league up until tonight and they they shoot only two four two of 14 from three that's obviously a huge i don't know if you want to call it a swing skill but a swing stat for this this thunder roster this thunder team when they are hitting those threes they're a very tough team to beat but i think in, in a game like tonight where they're they're facing that adversity they're playing a, a great veteran squad and the golden state warriors they are shooting so poorly from three and yet two of 14 from three at halftime they're still only down six that's the thing we'll get into here in a bit, uh, but just moving forward, Thunder outscored the Warriors 33 to 22 in the third quarter. A very fun third quarter where, honestly, I mean, there was a lot of calls in this game. That first half specifically, I thought the refs were uh, blowing a very tight whistle, particularly towards the Thunder. We saw it very early on. Mark Daniel get very upset, actually get teed up. And even after being teed up, like I'm kind of surprised he kept going after the refs because he was, I mean, he was fired up there after a i believe it was a a, a loo loose ball uh steal is what mark thought but it ended up resulting in a foul i think on none other than draymond green and he was livid uh, it certainly felt like the warriors got a pretty generous call a generous whistle there in that first half but honestly throughout the remainder of the game it, it certainly balanced out but there was a lot of foul calls in general for uh from from the refs and the reason i mentioned that is because and with a team like the thunder play so well in, and and their offense really relies on them getting stops defensively and pushing the ball in transition, creating those, those transition opportunities, which we also will get into when you're calling such a choppy game like that on both sides of the floor, it's really hard to get into a rhythm. And what we saw in the second half was that to kind of settle a little bit and the Thunder were really able to get steals, get uh turnover, force turnovers and be able to push the ball in transition and really kind of spark that offense and when the refs aren't calling it quite as tight as they were in the first half although i would still say it was tight that was a big bonus um so like i mentioned that third quarter was huge for the thunder they're leading the warriors by six the warriors start the fourth quarter on a 17 to 8 run and it was led not by steph not by game six clay not even by draymond it was rookie brandon pajimski who really Kind of gave the thunder, or sorry, excuse me, gave the Warriors a spark there off the bench. I thought in that in that fourth quarter, and that was huge for them on both sides of the ball. I thought he he played really well. So we're about a little over eight minutes left in the game. Mark subs and Shea with like I said, a little over eight to go. But he keeps Josh Gideon, and I thought Josh had a good game. Or sorry, he had a decent game, and we'll get into that. Uh, but that lineup really has been struggling with Gideon. Two open threes in the same possession. But the Thunder get four offensive rebounds. Just incredible effort. One of those was from Shea himself, leading to a Shea and one. 
And Giddy was subbed out very quickly after, and he did not see the floor again through regulation or overtime. That's just something worth noting. Uh, Shea starts to do superstar stuff and just was insane. That really was kind of sparked, I think, by a still he had on the other end of the floor. We'll talk about Shea still steals tonight and his defense as a whole. That led to a pass to Isaiah Joe, who found Wiggins coming back door. Um, just incredible transition basketball by the Thunder. Matt Tysing's up at 103. And then we're going to fast forward a little bit here. Dort tweaks an ankle, and I got really worried. Um, he was still on the floor for the majority of the play. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. He was on the other end of the floor while the <coughs> – excuse me. Goodness, when the Warriors were uh, on offense on the other end of the floor, he finally is able to jog up the Thunder call. Or I think it was a an official timeout, and Dort's sitting there just on the floor, like rubbing on that ankle. He has trainers come up, up to him. Uh, he's obviously subbed out. And then he goes back to the locker room. I'm thinking, oh, no. We're looking at like maybe like a two-week injury. Like, let's hope this isn't too bad. I, I believe it was Isaiah Joe who came in. Uh, but thankfully, not too long after, here comes none other than Lou Dort uh, jogging up to the scores tables to check back in. And that would be significant here. Chet had some monster free throws. It wasn't necessarily Chet's best game, and yet he had an incredible stat line. And yet again, in a game where he wasn't incredibly efficient from the floor, especially early on, he really found things later in the game it was critical for the thunder uh late in the game this is the thing we've seen over these last couple of games where he's kind of struggled uh, in comparison to his offensive input that we've seen or output that we've seen here you know uh, early in the season he struggled a little more as defenses start to adapt to him but i think these three free throws were huge with seven point seconds left uh ice in his veins he's fouled by draymond it's actually reviewed i i believe Seifker challenged it there with 7.2 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Chet hits all three, ties it up. And the reason I mentioned Dort coming back in being so significant is because he essentially locks up Steph for a very, a very tough uh, contested three-point attempt. Steph misses it. We had an overtime. And this is just a really interesting stat. The Thunder scored 118 points in regulation despite only shooting four of 27 from three, something I mentioned earlier. OKC shot, OKC shot 66% from inside the arc, which obviously is what kept them afloat there. Uh, and yet we're still heading to overtime with the Thunder only shooting 427 from three. Now, ironically enough, overtime starts. No Josh Giddy. It was Isaiah Joe starting in his place. And Isaiah Joe is fouled from three by Clay to start overtime. He hits all three free throws, which was significant. That kind of kick-started a, a pretty big run from the Thunder offensively. Shea and Jubbs absolutely took over. Uh, I mean, they've been taking over all game, and we'll talk a lot about each of them here in a bit, but they just couldn't be stopped in the mid-range or getting to their spots, regardless of who was guarding them, whether they were contested or not. I mean, just some significant shots. Uh, there's a really nice dub, not quite fade away, but a really nice shot. I believe it was off uh, inside the left elbow, a nice little pull-up, and then Shea just takes over from there. Two straight Shea baskets. With those, as well as Dub's uh, shot that I mentioned earlier, the Thunder go on a 9-3 to run, putting the Thunder up 6 against the Warriors with 3.15 to go. But then Steph happens, because it's Steph. We know it's going to happen. And you know what happens when Steph plays in the Paycom Center slash Chesapeake Arena? He hits some big-time shots. But ultimately, it's a big three of Shea, Dub, and Chet, who are able to weather the storm and close this one out for OKC and just a significant a huge win that really speaks to the uh, to this team's ability to be able to respond to adversity. And just, again, uh, 
I don't know. It's just extremely impressive to see them be able to respond after that first half that they had and the game that they had against Houston here a couple of nights ago as well. So let's see. I'm getting a lot of comments here. I'm going to go through some of these comments. We'll get into some of the big themes of the game. Uh, but before that, just a lot of excitement here in the chat. I love to see it. Uh, 138 to 136. I think Malik corrected me there. I might have been, I might have said that wrong earlier. Uh, yep, is asking me about Getty's performance. We will absolutely get into that. Bryce Little, pizza rolls have returned. And what he is alluding to there for some of the newer Thunder fans is obviously the infamous meme of James Harden, Russell Westbrook, KD all going crazy. And the big meme there was uh, mom when mom makes pizza rolls. Uh, it, it certainly felt that way because you had Dub, you had Shea just absolutely amped there in that fourth and in overtime uh, whenever there's a stop and play or when dub had a couple of those huge baskets like they were just absolutely fired up and then chet uh, there in overtime had a huge and one and you see dub and, and shea both just going up and just you know just pounding him on the chest and hyping him up certainly has those same vibes i really like that comment um let's see a lot of josh comments we'll get into those i promise Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, oh, a really good point here from Kristen. Tonight, hey, Kristen S., tonight was Mark's 100th win as a head coach, which is pretty incredible. And then Connor also mentioned Dub's best game of the season. So probably a good transition here. Let's go ahead and get into these big themes. I mean, let's be completely honest. A lot of these are players. Uh, and I think the biggest one, or the biggest two, really, you guys mentioned Dub. I'm going to go ahead and start with Shea Gilles Alexander. 38 points. Five rebounds, five assists, five steals, 15 of 30 from the field, zero of three from three, which is just absurd that he's still able to put up that kind of stat line, and eight of 11 from the free throw line. We're talking about a player who had a five by five by five, five by five by five by five game and scores 38 points and is 50% from the field on 30 shot attempts. Like, I'm not sure. There's so many other themes going into this season. And Shea was so incredible last season. He's continued that same level of play this season. Uh, obviously, this team's taken the leap because guys like Chet are back in the, are, are now in the lineup. J-Dub's obviously taken the leap. Uh, we've had some really great bench contribution from guys like Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, it almost feels like Shea is being overshadowed by that a little bit just because this is what Shea does. Well, tonight... 38 points, a 5 by 5 by 5 by 5 game on 50% from the floor. Like I mentioned, on, it's not like he only shot like 5 of 10. Like, there are players who can do that. And it's still incredibly impressive, but they're maybe like, again, 5 of 10 from the field. Not this guy. This is an absolute two-way superstar. And his defense, his perimeter defense, the stills he's been able to create, leading to those transition points I talked so much about, really sparked the offense. And then you see Shea be able to go and get his his still be able to get to his spots against a really good defensive team. Well, <laughs> historically a good defensive team in Golden State. I mean, just phenomenal. There's not enough to say about Shea and the way he took over there and in, in that second half particularly and then into overtime and the fact that he was able to do so alongside a player like Dub. Like this is everything we've asked for, everything we've wanted from uh for from Thunder fans. Sorry, I'm looking at comments here. I have the thumbnail Oh, yeah, I had a typo. I have 138 to 116 overtime. That'd be awesome if the Thunder were able to blow the brakes off the Warriors uh, and ended up winning by 20 in overtime. That's not the case. Uh, that was simply a typo. So thank you, Emerson, for pointing that out. 
<laughs> from what you mentioned earlier. Uh, 138 to 136, obviously, for the Thunder. Now, like I mentioned, Shea, which is absolutely fantastic, uh, completely took over the game. But this is not a win without J-Dub and his performance. Dub has 28 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 12 of 15 from the floor. So he has 28 points, 10 less than Shea, on half as many shot attempts, which is crazy. Only 1-1 one one from the free throw line. It's not like he was getting all those from the free throw line. He was, uh, oh, sorry, excuse me. He was 1-1 one one from 3, but 3-4 three of four from the free throw line. So still only 4-3 uh, free throw attempts. Still was able to put up those numbers. Um just absolutely insane. Three steals from Dub. He was doing it on both ends of the floor. And the biggest thing for me with J-Dub is the impact he was able to have when Shea was off the court. We've been looking for him to do this. When Shea's off the court, he's leading that second unit. Like, we need someone to step up. A lot of times it's been a effort by... Um, oh, what's the, the phrase I'm looking for there? I almost said by community. But essentially... <laughs> <coughs> It's been a, a team effort when Shea's off the floor, like with guys like Isaiah Joe and, and others that are able to uh, to to hit outside shots and, and really kind of keep the offense afloat when Shea's out. That wasn't the case tonight. In a game where the Thunder were really struggling from outside, getting outside shots to flow, it was Dub who basically just took over the Shea role. I talked about this earlier in the season in the game where I thought Dub did something similar. I mean, obviously, he gets to his spots in very different ways than Shea. But the fact that he's able to get to those shots and just kind of take over a game offensively was significant. I thought he played really well defensively as well. And he's he's tasked to guard uh, some of the the bigger players on, on the opposing team uh, where he's often outsized and still is able to uh, compete with them physically. Like, it's just, there is not to be said about J-Dub. And to see what, I think the biggest thing, something that we've looked for all season, we were looking forward to seeing heading into this season, is like how do Dub? How is Dub able to continue to improve his game and, and kind of show what he's capable of alongside Shea? Because, like I mentioned, it's easy for a player who's a really great three-point threat to be able to like get catch and shoot threes and catch and shoot opportunities off of Shea drives. That's not necessarily Dub's game. So to see them be able to coexist like they were to be able to take over a game together, especially there in that fourth quarter in overtime, I mean that's everything that we've wanted to see as Thunder fans with Dub and with Shea. And I think just this is just a, a game that maybe we will look back. Maybe I'm overhyping this one after being a little too in my emotions uh, <laughs> after the Wednesday uh, Rockets game. If you guys listen to the post game uh, that we did Wednesday after the Rockets game, it's easy to get a little too excited after wins like these. But I'm not sure I'm really overreacting here because what Dub was able to do alongside Shea seems very sustainable. Like I mentioned, just the, the, his ability to be able to bully guys uh, on the offensive side of the floor and get to his spots regardless, the shot-making ability, it's just huge. And obviously that next stage, I think, of Dub's development is going to be to improve that three-point shot, like a lot of players on this Thunder roster, and to maybe be a little more aggressive with those three-point shots. Um, but when you're able to get to, the, get to the spots that you want, I mean, I don't blame him i'm just saying that's maybe the next evolution of dub when he's playing alongside a superstar player like sga um, because man when those two are going and they're able to do so in tandem they this thunder team is a very very hard team to beat and that kind of leads me to the third of what we're calling the big three here in chet holmgren and i thought chet kind of struggled yet again early on especially in that first half some four shots 
uh, for sure, but just didn't seem like he was extremely aggressive, crashing the boards, uh, maybe was forcing things a little too much. Like these are all things that we've seen over the past couple of games from Chet, but for him to be able to rebound and no pun intended and to end the game, especially there in that fourth quarter, like I mentioned, those three free throws were just gigantic for him to not have a necessarily like a huge offensive game. Like we saw that last time that the thunder played golden state and Chet had 30 plus and hit the, the huge three point shots, put the game into overtime uh, in the Bay. That wasn't necessarily the case for Chet tonight, but he continues to impact the game at an extremely high level. Um, I'm kind of rambling here because there's so many thoughts about Chet, but I'm going back to that first half. Even when he was struggling offensively, he picked up his third foul pretty early on after Dignall challenged it uh, and was very upset with the refs at this point. He was unsuccessful in that challenge, which honestly I think he probably should have been. Uh, Obviously, I have Thunder blue and orange colored glasses on. Uh, I understand that, but, and uh, I'm pretty biased. I did not think that was necessarily a foul. It should have been called on Chet to get him with three fouls early on the game. And yet Mark continues to trust his players, his best players, especially in Chet. I thought Chet had a really good defensive impact there down the stretch before he was subbed out to, to end the quarter simply because he was playing a lot of minutes or he was playing a significant amount of minutes there. Uh, Like that just shows you Chet's IQ. And then he's able to come in in that second half again, didn't really have a huge second half, but is able to knock down those huge three free throws there with seven seconds left to tie the game and send this game into overtime when he was kind of struggling offensively. Like there's just... If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
not enough words to describe his mentality. I think that he brings even more so than just his skill set. And I just continue to be so impressed by Chet Holmgren. Uh, ends the game with 21 points, seven rebounds, one assist. Even with his quote unquote struggles, he was six to 12 from the floor, 50%, which is pretty significant. It was more so that he just like wasn't getting involved in the action. It just was one of those games. I thought he responded incredibly well. One of four from three, obviously when Chet is not spacing the floor like that, that's where we see. And, and again, this isn't just a Chet thing. This is a bigger theme. And I kind of tweeted this out and a lot of y'all had great points that some of this comes down to Josh getting how he's being guarded. But when Chet is one of four from three and Lou Dort is, is O oh, oh of three from three, that starting lineup really struggles to coexist. That's just the reality of it. When you're not able to space the floor like that and you have a player like Josh Giddy, who's really not being defended from the perimeter, that clogs up the lane and makes things very difficult on Shea, who we saw get off to a very slow start there in that first quarter, uh, even Dub, and and even Giddy, who um, I thought, like I said, he had a pretty good first half, but still, when there's no spacing, I mean, that's just kind of, <laughs> that kills that entire lineup. And so that's something I want to continue to monitor with Chet uh, as defenses are continuing to adjust to him and the way he's playing. Would really like to see Chet obviously be able to knock down some of those outside shots. Uh, I think four three-point attempts for him is fine, especially when he didn't really have it going. But again, eight of eight from the free throw line. That's significant. Three of those, like I mentioned, those last three there with seven seconds to go. Um, he, he played with four fouls, did not foul out, which is significant, and three blocks doing the Chet things. Like Especially there in, in that overtime, Chet really found his fit within that lineup. I thought he played significant. Like I mentioned, I can't remember when this happened, but he had a huge and one where he was able to grab an offensive rebound, which we've talked so much about how badly the Thunder need uh, players to be aggressive and, and get those offensive de and defensive rebounds. He gets a huge offensive rebound there in overtime, leading to that that and one. And that's when we saw Shea and Dub uh, back to the pizza roll meme, right? Like going up and just hyping him up and getting super excited. Chet steps up to the occasion, I think is what I'm really getting at here. Even if it wasn't necessarily his best offensive game we saw from him this season, I mean, just significant. And for example, I actually saw a stat. It was like, um, I, I was scrolling quickly because obviously I was scroll I was tuned into the Thunder game. But it was like, this is Wimby's first ever, or first career, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, Wimby probably got his first triple-double. No, tonight was Wimby's first double-double game. Like, that is absurd. And you think about the the impact that Chet has had for this team and some of the stats that he's put up. In my opinion, and again, in my very biased opinion, I think it's pretty obvious that Chet Holmgren is Rookie of the Year right now. And uh, if this continues, it's going to be very hard to take that away from him. So enough about Chet. Obviously, I've talked... <laughs> I, I hyped him up significantly, but there's another Thunder player here before I finally kind of round this one out with some overall stats and themes, uh, more team themes. My last player here as a big theme is Kaysen Wallace. Kaysen, I don't even think he touched the floor in overtime. But honestly, I thought Kaysen was phenomenal. And he was a huge reason that the Thunder was able to stay afloat. Like I mentioned, some of those non-Shea minutes. Uh, I, I think the perfect example of this is sometime in the third quarter. I don't have timestamps on this. But the Thunder are really struggling offensively. Kaysen has five straight points. Uh he gets a corner three and then drives, again, being a little more aggressive on his drives tonight, which is good to see. Sometimes it didn't work out. I think at one point he had a – or actually, I was thinking it was going to be called charged. It was actually called an offensive foul – or sorry, a uh, defense foul there. 
in that first quarter and he was able to get free throws, but he's being much more aggressive there after Marcus asked him to be. That's been huge for this team. Uh, there was a stretch there where he had five straight points. Again, shooting 7% from corners from three, which is just absolutely absurd. And yeah, so and, and then he after that three, that corner three, he attacks a closeout and scores on a high rising finger roll. That was just big time. Um, I thought he played really well defensively as well. I mean, he's a rookie, he's young, he's going to make mistakes. There were certainly some of those. But when you're going up against Seth Curry, Clay Thompson, you know, whoever was in the game at that point for the Warriors, Aaron Wiggins, or sorry, I always do that. We always do that. Uh, Andrew Wiggins for the Warriors. I mean, I thought Kaysen did a fantastic job on the other end of the floor as well. He has some big-time steals, and he just continues to know where to be off-ball as well. He fits so well within the flow of the offense. So, like, all those things being said, I actually uh, sent this in our uncontested uh, group chat that we have on Slack, and I said, look, like, I, again, I'm not trying to, like, say I'm completely out on Giddy, but when you have a player like Kaysen who fits so well within the flow of any lineup and is able to impact the game at such a high level, we didn't expect this so early on. And to see Kaysen be able to do this, even while Josh Giddy, especially when Gosh, when Gosh, uh, Gosh Giddy, Josh Giddy is struggling. I mean, I can only imagine what this this starting lineup looks like when you have a player like Kaysen Wallace in there. You add that defense that he's able to bring while Josh has been struggling a lot defensively. And obviously the four spacing that he's able to bring from a catch and shoot standpoint as well. Again, maybe it's not the starting lineup necessarily, but when you're closing a game, and if it's not Isaiah Joe that you have in there, like I would love to see Kaysen get some more burn with that starting unit minus Josh. That's not me just trying to continue to pile on Josh, but I think we're all in agreement here when I'm taking all these comments about Josh and his struggles and how teams are uh, adapting to him and playing off of him. He's still trying to work through those things. I get the Thunder and Dignall allowing Josh to be able to work through those things and that's really important for this team and their overall ceiling when we have a player like case playing like he is and impacting the game on both sides of the basketball and still learning and still having so much untapped potential on the offensive end of the floor in my opinion like i'd like to see him get some more minutes with those starters even if it's not necessarily in the starting lineup i thought case was fantastic again even if we didn't see him in the in overtime totally get it uh isaiah joe uh when he I, again kind of a similar thing with isaiah joe he is impacting the game on both sides of the floor he had another charge drawn tonight which was huge and obviously we know the floor spacing and shooting that he, he provides like a lot of uh things to be excited about when you have players like isaiah joe and case wallace who are able to just step up uh, i mean you could throw kenner williams in there and aaron wing is as well i don't have those as themes these are more like small small themes small sides but man like there's a lot of depth on the cylinder roster it's just something to kind of keep in mind when josh giddy is struggling it's kind of what i'm getting at um so again very very high on case of wallace as you guys can tell and i'm uh just really excited to see how he continues to progress through the season as teams maybe start to scout him a little more and even into next season as you know we talk a lot about sophomores um they're scouted even more so than their rookie uh, their rookie year. So it'll be fascinating to watch Kaysen's progression. Now, like I mentioned, getting into a little more team themes, the biggest one here for me is the Thunders, Stills, and Turnovers. Just, I mean, this when you're not shooting well from outside, you're not shooting well as a whole, although they obviously continue to shoot better throughout the, as the game progressed, but 29 turnovers, forced turnovers for the Thunder. 
excuse me, hopefully they didn't have 29 turnovers. I had, would have no idea how they would win a game in overtime if they did have 29 turnovers. <laughs> but 29 forced turnovers tied a Thunder record uh, against Dallas on actually New Year's Eve 2018. It's the last time they did that, which is just pretty incredible. Obviously, this Warriors team has really struggled. I think they were like top six in turnovers per game, if I remember what I heard correctly during the broadcast. But the Thunder forcing 29 turnovers is huge. And the thing is, it wasn't just like bad passes necessarily from the Warriors. Thunders uh, created, or sorry, they they caused 17 steals, which is only two away from a Thunder team record if you don't include the Seattle days. Uh, I believe the Thunder themselves as a franchise had 19 steals not too long ago. I want to say it was in November. But 17 steals, forcing 17 steals and 29 turnovers is just significant. And like I've mentioned so much on this podcast, as we mentioned so much on this podcast, this Thunder team is at their best when the team is creating those turnovers, getting stops defensively and pushing the ball in transition. And that's what we saw that really sparked that second half comeback that third quarter specifically, and then again, overtime. I mean, just significant. Cannot talk enough about the Thunder defense there, and that's what kept them afloat. To my next point, the Thunder shooting. The Thunder shot, let me go and look at this. Uh, they ended up being 52% from the floor, like I mentioned. Uh, that third, fourth quarter, and overtime really kind of upped the overall percentage. They were 51 of 98 from the floor, but shot only 5 of 29 from the floor. That's 17%. <laughs> That's really bad. I can't remember the last time that happened. Um, unfortunately, I'm sure it did happen over the past couple of seasons, uh, given the different lineups and, and personnel Thunder have rolled out on the floor. That's really un uncharacteristic of this Thunder team, specifically this season, who, like I mentioned, uh, I haven't double-checked this, but uh, when I was listening to Matt Pinto, he, he told me on the radio that the Thunder led the league in three-point percentage heading into tonight. So 5 of 29 is pretty awful. The biggest thing here, and I har harped a lot on the some of the questionable foul calls, especially there in the first half, but the Thunder ended up getting 36 free throws to the Warriors' 23. The Warriors were 19 and 23. They're very efficient from the free throw line, but so were the Thunder. 31 of 36 from the free throw line. That is significant. A lot of those came towards the latter part of the game, especially when Shea and Dub, or really just Shea, because I think Dub only had, but I, whatever I said, three free throws. Um, especially Shea getting to the line like he was and getting those foul calls and, and just really not even leaving it to chance, like forcing the refs to be able to make those calls. That's significant. But you look at the shot attempts at a whole, Thunder shot 98 shot attempts to the Warriors 104. And when you give a Warriors team that many more, that many more attempts from the floor, and we know that that Warriors team can do when you have Steph Curry and even Clay, who obviously has really struggled and, and is a shell of himself still. Uh, Aaron, I uh, did it again. Andrew Wiggins had a really good first half. I think he had like 18 points in the first half. I mean, there's a lot of players on the Warriors who can make you pay for that. The Thunder played really good defense, uh, forced a lot of those extra shots, uh, some bad shot attempts, and obviously were a lot more efficient down the stretch on their own. I, I, I just, I find that interesting when I'm looking at those shooting splits in general.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But the last theme that I have here at about 32 minutes, some giddy thoughts. You guys have mentioned this a lot. There's a lot of comments about them, and I'll get through it. I thought Giddy played much better early on in the game. Uh, He was driving. He was making floaters. He was more efficient. But the biggest thing for Giddy when he's playing with this lineup is he's not able to space the floor still, and he's really struggling defensively there were some missed assignments there that were pretty significant even there in that, that fourth quarter when he was starting that I thought were, were, I mean, I don't know, not great. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. I thought Josh played better, but the biggest thing here is when, like I mentioned earlier, when you have guys like Isaiah Joe and Kaysen Wallace and Aaron Wiggins and Kendrick Williams, who can come in and really give the thunder uh, what they're missing. And, and that, that lineup, right. It, I don't know. I've talked a lot about Giddy. I'm already going long here. I've already talked a lot of, and kind of alluded to a lot of it um, earlier here in the podcast, but it's not been great for Josh, even when he's having a more efficient game like tonight. I think it's what I'm really getting at in tonight's game. It's easy to talk about like the Rockets game where he's playing extremely poorly, but tonight, like he was playing all, all right, especially offensively. And still this team was better with him off the floor. And that's why we didn't see him there after he was subbed out with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and didn't see him again in overtime. Not trying to just pile on Josh Giddy, but a lot of you guys have talked about him here in the chat. And obviously it's a big thing for this Thunder team because when you have like Kevon Looney guarding Josh Giddy and playing off of him, that allows somebody like Draymond Green to be able to guard a dub or guard, I think in this case it was Chet, right? Instead of the opposing big, uh, guarding Chet and maybe that's why we've seen Chet be a little more efficient because he's having some better defenders who are able to guard him rather than like the opposing center where he's able to space the floor and have more of an advantage it's it's something to monitor for sure and something we'll continue to monitor so really quickly here um like I said I already have talked a lot about this but I know you guys have some giddy thoughts we're going to get through these quickly and we'll get out of here so again, this is kind of tough when there's only one of us on a pod and I'm trying to go through comments. Um, equal EQ, our guy EQ uh, mentioned on the pod the other day, you would be happy if Josh, you mentioned if Josh rebounded, he had nine to die tonight. Is that enough to make you happy? Great point. And that's what I'm talking about when I thought he impacted the game fairly well as a whole, but still uh, was, wasn't able to close games because of the other things I mentioned, the floor spacing and the defense. That is huge. So yes, the rebounds is significant, uh, but he's going to be able to to have to improve in the other areas if he's going to want to stay on the floor. Connor mentioned it ended up being a, being huge that the Warriors wasted their challenge there, and I think he's referring to when I mentioned the Chet challenge, uh, the Draymond challenge on on uh, sorry the Draymond foul on Chet. It's a great point. They they did not have that heading into um, the, that last part of the game. Connor mentioned that old man Clay still moves his feet well, but it's Curry that you can walk past. Yeah, defensively, I mean, Clay is still a better defender, but man, he's lost a step. And I just keep thinking back to when our guy Jacob was at the first Thunder, or sorry, the first Thunder Warriors game in Paycom this season. 
he sent us a picture close up of the difference in Clay's two calf muscles, and it's significant. Like that guy's just—it's it, not the same, not the same as at all. Zuri mentions how much better will this young team be by the playoffs? I think that's a really good point. We're seeing this team go face adversity early on in the season. You can only imagine, knock on wood, pending health, how good they can be if they continue to face these uh, the, the adversity and continue to overcome it and learn from it when they weren't able to o- overcome it. Uh, for example, against the Houston Rockets, something to, to keep in mind there, but I think you're exactly right. Um, the learning experiences here for this team, they'll be night and day better heading into the playoffs this season, which is extremely exciting. Brett mentions that Kaysen is not a great rebounder, and I think you're exactly right. That's something he's really going to have to improve as well. So I think what he's getting at is if you throw him into that starting lineup, like I mentioned, you're losing rebounding, especially to, uh, gosh, I went blank on who mentioned that here a little bit ago, but when Josh has nine rebounds and you're missing that from the starting lineup, that's significant, and that's a really good point. That's probably a reason that Mark hasn't implemented it yet. And maybe we won't see it as much. I, I again, great point and something we need to monitor and something that Case neither Kaysen either needs to improve on or the lineup as a whole needs to improve on, or maybe there's another option there to to help with the rebounding that still can provide you some of those um, some of those weak points, uh, cover some of those weak points that Josh has when he's in that starting lineup. And finally, here Jason Williams. What a fun game to go to. So shout out, Jason. I'm glad you were there. That's awesome. Gideon needs to be able to shoot. He messes up spacing, not trying to say he's a bad player. J-Dub was crazy amazing. Yeah, a lot of things I mentioned there. Could not agree more. All right. We covered a lot of ground, especially for a solo pod. That was a very fun game to be able to cover. Extremely thankful for all of you all tuning in, tuning in and dropping your comments and questions in the chat. Makes it a lot of fun for us to be able to engage with you all. And again, what a fun game. What a fun team to be able to cover here this season and, and as a whole in general. So looking ahead, Sunday night, we'll have you all covered with a group podcast covering the week that was in Thunder Basketball and looking forward to the week ahead as, around some, as well as some bigger around the association thoughts. Then we have another game Monday night in Paycom, Thunder versus Jazz. Extremely exciting. Um, the Thunder, I would hope, would beat the breaks off the Jazz. Uh, that's a team that they should be able to to beat well. But I think uh, Laurie Markinen is back, which makes this team, that Jazz team, a lot more dangerous. So, so something to keep an eye on. Um, but it should be a really fun one. I hope you all, uh, if you're able to, are able to go out to the Paycom. If not, be sure to follow along because we will have you all covered for that. And we'll have you, uh, we'll have a post-game podcast Monday night for you all as well to tune into. And then finally, nine but a significant vote if you are living in the OKC Metro and are able to vote on it. Vote yes on Tuesday for the Thunder Arena. There's a lot of uh, differing opinions there. You all know where we stand. I'm not going to get into it now here on the post-game podcast, but Tuesday is extremely important for the future, not only of this organization, this franchise, but the city as a whole, in Oklahoma City. I highly encourage you all to go and listen to David Holt. He was on the Oklahoma Breakdown with um, Gabe Eichard and Teddy Lehman. But he just laid things out really, really well and even responded to some of the criticism uh, and, and brought some great counterpoints there. Be sure to check that out uh, before you vote if you're kind of on the fence because I think Mayor Holt did a great job there. And be sure to just follow along with Mayor Holt in general. He's, he's been on a lot of different things. A sellout, sellout crowd had him on, and he did a great job there as well. Um, and that will be the case leading up to the vote on Tuesday. So be sure to vote if you can on Tuesday. 
So that way we can keep podcasting and talking about this incredible team and seeing them in person in Oklahoma City. And they'll be in OKC for a very, very long time. So thank you all again for tuning in. An incredibly fun and exciting game. Appreciate you all, like I mentioned, uh, with all the correspondence and, and the comments and questions. Stay tuned. We'll have you all covered again for that group podcast I mentioned on Sunday. And as always, and until next time, Thunder Up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.